Good morning, Four Quarters. How are we doing this morning? Hey, it is my honor and privilege to be here with you this morning. I am so excited for today. I'm excited that we can look into the Word of God as we saw on that video. We're going to be in 1 Samuel. We're kicking off a new series called Fresh. And we essentially, we are looking at Bible stories that we may have heard, Bible stories that we may even know, and we're taking and looking at a fresh way to look at that. Before we get in to the message, I just want to say what an honor and privilege it is to just be on this stage. I have been on staff here since 2010. Uh, I started as a summer intern and uh, it is just a joy to work with, to work alongside and work under Pastor Ben and Jill. And about 13 years ago, 14 years ago, as a small group, they started off uh, trying to make Jesus famous in this area. We went to Lakota West. We went to the Rave Movie Theater. We went to Zion Global. We went back to the Rave. And then we finally found our home here at 7740 Service Center Drive. And through it all, uh, both of them and the boys and Ellen have been so consistent, so loving to this church family. And it is just an honor that Pastor Ben would ask me to do this, that he would trust me enough to do this. So if you don't mind, let's clap and thank Ben and Jill, even though they're not here, for their impact. It's, 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 it's the real deal. Even though they are, again, not here, we are grateful for their sacrifice and their commitment. Like I said, I've been on staff since June 2010. It started as a summer internship after high school, quickly uh, became a place that I felt I was called to. I love this church. I love this building. I love you guys, each one of you here, and from the worship arts team that I get to spend a lot of time with. I consider you guys family. It's a privilege to, to be able to look at this. I want to tell you a quick story, and we're going to dive into the Word. You, maybe if you've been here for a while, you remember this. The first, very first time I was on the stage at Four Corners Church, we were at Zion Global. Uh, I had my guitar, and we were going to do a special performance song. It was kind of, the, kind of like the unveiling of uh, myself. I had prepared. I was ready. And uh, the lights came on. Uh, everybody was prepared and ready, and there's two things, well, about three things that went really wrong instantly. The first thing was this. I started off strumming the wrong song. Um, you, you can't really recover uh, from that alone, right? So I started off strumming the wrong song. That's a first strike against me. And the second thing, which again, as a, as a musician, but also if you're communicating anywhere, I forgot all the words. I forgot all the lyrics. So I'm on the stage. I'm strumming the wrong tune. Not only am I strumming the wrong tune, I don't remember the words. I can't, for the life of me, think of the song. I know it now. It was called Hank. It's a, just a bad song. Never listen to it. Never, never download it. And then the third thing which happened uh, was I had to go for about two and a half minutes mumbling the entire song in front of uh, the Four Corners group. I'm, that is not made up. I mumbled the entire song, and you guys were kind enough that when I finished, you actually clapped and said, oh, my gosh. What an awesome intern. We're so glad that he's on staff here. We are just thrilled. So I don't think I can do that bad today with this sermon, but we'll see. Hey, bow your heads. We're going to pray, and then we're going to begin. God, thank you. Thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that we can be here this morning. Lord, we love you. We pray 
Lord, and I ask that, that these aren't my words, Lord, that you would speak, that the Holy Spirit would work in this space, work in this room. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to learn to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, do this. Go to your phone, to your Bible. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. If you have an iPhone, you're going to be able to do it without any problem. If you have an Android, um, I don't know. I, you may just be able to make calls on the Androids. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. Go to 1 Samuel 17. And we got to remember this, that as the story is beginning, we are at a time of war. We are at a very intense time of war as we enter into 1 Samuel 17. And as the story begins, we're all together in this place going to forget how to pronounce the strange names of towns or people, because I can't pronounce them either. So we're going to fake it as we go. And here's the truth. War is ready to erupt. Some scholars would say, and some pastors would even say, that it is ancient warfare. It's not the clean warfare that is of today with drones and high uh, weapons that are very sophisticated. It is ancient warfare. It is swords. It is hand-to-hand combat. And that is going on right now. And King Saul and the Israeli people at this time, his army, are facing against the Philistine army. And you got to imagine there's a valley in between both of them on either side, on both sides. You have King Saul and his army and his group, right? On one side, we're just going to say on this side. And then on the other side, you have King Saul and Goliath, Goliath on the other side. So there's two different sides. And here is what is happening. We get into the word, and this is what it says. 1 Samuel 1, 11. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his Spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. Wow, this story is going to be good. I don't know if I've read a passage that starts with this, right? He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. He's essentially saying, send us your best. And this, isn't, this was not unique at the time. They wanted to preserve their army. So a lot of times in ancient warfare, they'd send out their best, their strongest warrior, right down into the valley, and they would fight each other. We get back and, we, and it says this. But if I, and the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What we don't have time to look into today is that this had actually been going on for 40 days. Twice a day. Goliath, who some would say, some scholars would say about nine feet tall. He's a that's a big dude. All I'm saying, if I see a nine-foot-tall guy, that's Yao Ming plus a couple feet. That's pretty, that's pretty scary. That's really scary. And it's been going on for 40 days. He comes out twice a day and essentially, with words, unleashes on King Saul. 
So let's look. King Saul, who is the king of the time, some would say he was even the biggest and strongest man of Israel, right? So he's a, he's a tough guy. But for 40 days, King Saul and his troops are so focused, so scared of Goliath and this man that it continues to go on. And we are in a stalemate. If you are following along with your message notes, here's the first truth. It says, what you focus on will define you. As we're reading about Saul and Goliath, here's a truth that applies to us today, applies to us this morning, that what you focus on will define you. There's an author that says if you put in 10,000 hours into anything, you will become an expert. It's the same deal that's happening here. What you focus on will define you. Everybody in this story, as we hop on the scene, everyone in this story sees Goliath. Everybody in the story sees Goliath. We're about to enter in a new character named David. And David is the only one in this story who doesn't just see Goliath, but he asks and looks upward to the true God and the true king. So what about King Saul? He's another player as we look at each player in this in this story. 1 Samuel, a couple passages before, 14, 52 says this. There was a hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. So we're not talking about an army that's weak. We're not talking about a king that's weak. Saul, in a couple passages before, is at war. He's at battle. And when he takes men, he grabs the strongest, the brightest, the greatest, and brings them along with himself. But we also see in this, which is pretty, pretty interesting in 1 Samuel 15, 11 and 35, that the Lord regretted, says the Lord regretted making Saul king over Israel. And we begin to see this in this passage. We begin to see that King Saul, even though he's a strong warrior, he was faithless. He was faithless. So what has your focus today? At Four Corners, we, we, we pride ourselves in reading the text and reading the Bible, but we want to be real practical. What has your focus? Here's another truth. The enemy of our soul seeks to shift our focus away from God. The enemy of our soul, Satan, the enemy against us, it's real, seeks to shift our focus away from from God. Here's another truth. People and activities, people and activities can also dominate and control your focus. Good things, good people, good activities can begin to distract, can begin to work alongside and destroy our focus when our focus should only be on God, the living God. So I was homeschooled growing up, and uh, I'd like to say I turned out kind of normal. I'm not, you know, I, uh, I like homeschoolers. Homeschooling is great. I'd like to say I turned out somewhat normal. Something I was a little bummed about uh, was I couldn't play football when I was homeschooled. I only had two brothers, and uh, my mom would have to be the coach, the uh, assistant coach, the uh, defending team's coach. I'm just kidding, but uh, it was pretty rough being homeschooled playing sports, and uh, in those years, all jokes aside, in those years, I was able to have a new passion in learning uh, for reading. In my house growing up until I was about 12 or 13, we didn't have a TV. 
Uh, so it's, it's a little old school, even though I'm, I'm a little young. We didn't have a TV, so what else am I going to do? Anyway, uh, I, I, I learned to love to read. And one of the books that I really, really, really have loved this year, and if you follow Chip and Joanna Gaines and Fixer Upper, it's one of Chip's favorites. He put it in his magazine. It's called Shoe Dog, and it's by Phil Knight, who is the founder and creator of the brand Nike. This is what he says about our first principle of focus. Here's what it says. We wanted Nike to be the world's best sports and fitness company. Once you say that, you have focus. You you don't end up making wingtips or sponsoring the next Rolling Stones world tour. When you have focus in our business, right, in Nike, they had focus. They had clear focus. And what you focus on will define you. Now, let's get back to the story. Verse 12. You're going to see if you're following along, we're going to catch up on the screens. But verse 12, let's say it. Now, David was the son of Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, who was the firstborn, and the next him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest The three eldest followed Saul. Verse 15, if you're following along, here's what it says. David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an epav, this parched grain, and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp. To your brothers, also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousands. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. We begin to see David as a shepherd in this story. Verse 15, he is essentially a delivery boy. He's delivering cheeses to his brothers. Verse 19, as you're following along. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper, and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the hosts were going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, again on both sides. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. He's going out and he's saying, hello. He's got a couple brothers. He's greeting his brothers as he talked with them. Behold, he's chatting, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. So he's been coming. Remember, Goliath has been coming out for 40 days, essentially saying every single thing he can to defile the Israels. And this is the first time David hears him. Here's what it says. All the men of Israel, verse 24, When they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, Here's the first word, right? Who shall be down for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Entering in David into this story. A shepherd. The 
first thing he says is he's pointing us to the living God. Did you catch, guys, did you catch verse 15? I'm telling you, David is essentially a delivery boy in the story, right? He's a delivery boy. He's delivering Jesus. Imagine, just imagine with me how this story would be different if David all of a sudden in this moment decided that, hey, I'm 14, I'm 15. Some would say he's about that age, 16. I'm done with answering to my father. I am done being the delivery boy. I am tired of being out in the wilderness alone with sheep. There's a battle going on, and every single one of my brothers is there. But there's a principle here as David is answering it. We begin to see this process that's pretty cool. We begin to see a process that God is shaping David in private while he's out in the Mountains, guarding his sheep, being a shepherd. We begin to see that God is shaping David in private. For in a couple verses, it's going to be a public showing. God is shaping him in private. So my question to us today, how easy is it to let God shape us? How easy is it to say and think, God, I feel like I've been in the desert. This job isn't, this job isn't going anywhere. I can't get this next promotion. I'm stuck. There's a principle here as we see, and this is what we see, and this is a truth. Write this one down. Preparation plus a teachable heart plus bold faith equals divine direction. Preparation plus a teachable heart plus bold faith equals divine direction. The first part of that, preparation. We see in Psalm 27, this is David speaking. Psalm 27, he says this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 102, David speaking. I went King James here because, man, I had to. Here we go. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We miss out. We miss out. Church, listen, listen, listen. We miss out on key spiritual development when we bypass the, pro- the, the process of preparation. We see it in David's story right now. We bypass the process of great growth, of opportunities. And we say, yeah, that preparation phase in my life, even if I am wrapping up a career, about to retire, whatever age, yeah, that, that, that preparation, I, I don't know, I can't trust God for that. Interesting, interesting. So yesterday, I got to tell you a really, really cool story yesterday. And my mom uh, is in Arizona. She, actually, she's actually in Tokyo with my brother. But she's going to be catching this online. So this is the very first time she heard this. So mom, I am sorry. But yesterday, I jumped out of a plane. I went skydiving. And I didn't tell her. So uh, it, it was, if you know me, you, you may know me, may not know me. I've never done roller coasters at Kings Island. The one at uh, Coney Island, was, I went with my wife at Coney Island, the, the little one you're in there. It's kind of like this rink-a-dink coaster. That's about the extent of my, um, of my scary uh, lifestyle. So I went skydiving yesterday. We got a couple photos uh, back there. I just want to show you that's pretty interesting. So we roll up to the scene and we see this. 
I'm already scared. I haven't, slept, I haven't slept all night. I know I'm speaking to a church the next day. We roll up to see this. It's just, it's not a funny joke. We roll up to this, and the instructors are laughing. You know, hey, that's our, that was our last trip. That's what happened last. And what I'm saying to myself, I, I'm pretty sure the tail of a plane is pretty important. That is a key component to get that bird in the air. And uh, dude, here, here's the second part of the story. Next, next photo. This is the guy they paired me with. Now, I'm not trying to be mean here, but my instructor, the man that I am putting my trust, my hope, my entire life into, is about half my size, about half my weight, half my height, and half my strength. Uh, we're about to get on. He kind of just jumped on the back of me <laughs> as we, we kind of walked towards the plane. I talk about this experience because in skydiving, preparation is vital. No one jumps out of a plane if they have not checked and double-checked and triple-checked that that chute, when you jump out of 10,000 feet out of a plane, Lord, help me, it was awesome. But when you jump out of that plane, the chute better fly up and you better coast down to earth safely. Skydiving. Preparation to the experience. I'm trusting that they have put in due diligence with the preparation of that chute, the preparation of the plane, the pilot. We see this as God is shaping, as God is preparing David for a public showing. Teachable heart, kind of the second principle. Preparation, teachable heart. Number two, Matthew. This is Jesus. Jesus got done feeding the 5,000. He's been preaching. He's been going all over the earth. He's been preaching, 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 right? Feeds the 5,000. Awesome story. Matthew 14, 22 through 23. This is what it says. Immediately he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was along way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. This is a perfect example as we see Jesus himself on earth. doesn't have much time here. Carving out time to be alone, to be still, to have a heart soft before the Father. Friends, I'm wondering, when's the last time we were, we were quiet before the Lord? In quiet time, we see Jesus doing. Bold faith is next. Let's get back to the story. Here it is, verse 28. Follow along. Here we go. Now, Eliab, to his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to them, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why have you come down here? Essentially saying, what are you doing here? Why are you not doing your job? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, the king. And he sent for them. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, but you are youthful, and he has been a man of war 
from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. When there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. All right, David. He's showing showing us a little bit of his personality. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go. And the Lord be with you. Here we go. We catch up on the screens. Verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over over his armor. You got to imagine with me, David, a young boy standing with the king, this ruthless, this gritty, strong man as he tries to put on the armor. We continue. It says this. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Imagine with me, imagine with me. David, a shepherd boy, a young teenager, Trying on this armor and saying, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Why, why do I have to go into battle with this? Bold faith. Two things we cannot miss here, guys. Two things we cannot miss is David's own brother. David's, what I would think, I'm, I'm close with my brothers, two brothers I have. I, I would do anything for them. His own brothers are saying, why have you come down? Why are you here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And then Saul, as we see a couple passages again, says, why are you here? You're not strong enough. And remember, the only person in this story is David, who's who's not just seeing Goliath. He's seeing something way stronger than Goliath. He keeps focusing our eyes, as we read it, to an almighty and a living God. Get ready. Here we go. Be ready for intense opposition when you begin to lean on God fully. Friends, this is true. I've seen it. I've been blessed to be in ministry, to be able to see this, not just in my own life. Be ready for intense opposition when you begin to lean on God fully. What's that look like in your, in your life? Maybe it's saying, God, I trust you in this area of my life. Um, I acknowledge your ways, Lord, or, or may it be I trust you, God, with my finances. God, I, I just give it all to you. Be ready, and it's true. When you are plugging in to what God has designed and called you to be, be ready for intense opposition. It is like clockwork, the, clockwork. the times of my life that I'm plugging into God I'm saying, God, lead and direct me. There are times when I feel and I know that intense opposition is on its way. We see David's word in Psalm as he leans on God fully. He says this, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. 
My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Verse 39, one of my very favorite passages in this story. Another translation says this, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. Armor of a soldier is not me. That's not what I'm used to. Verse 39, friends, I think, it's, I think God's saying to us, be yourself. I think God's saying to us right now in this room, be yourself. You don't need to be somebody else. I've already designed you perfectly. I've already created you with individual gifts, individual talents. You're already good enough. Come on, get in the game. Get in the game. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You're trying on this armor. It doesn't fit. I don't know what armor you're trying on today. I don't know what armor you're trying on. Be yourself. Be yourself. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have intense opposition. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Be ready, be ready, be ready for intense growth when you step out in bold faith. Be ready. I'm telling you what, be ready. It's like a growth spurt. Be ready for intense growth when you step out in bold faith. It's fourth quarter in this story. We're going back to the story. It's fourth quarter. I love sports. And so fourth quarter just sounds awesome. Remember the Titans? Hopefully you guys love that movie as much as I do. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, right? Here we go. Fourth quarter of the story, and we're rolling. Here's what it says. Verse 41, we're going to catch up on the screens of 45. Here it says, And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. you got to imagine with me. Goliath, he's ready. He's ready for battle. There's a guy in front of him holding his armor because it's so dang heavy. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Whew, this story's getting good. Verse 45, come on, here we go. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Boom, mic drop. I don't have a mic, but my goodness, I would love to do a mic drop right there. If David was there and he had a microphone and he's singing, mic drop right there. I'm telling you, we've got to get back. We've got to get back to the story. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Hmm. 
And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly towards the battle line. Quickly. To meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And slung it. And struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword. This is the mic drop. It's coming again. And drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. What a story. A shepherd, a boy, facing a nine-foot giant who has kept Israel's best, even King Saul, at bay for 40 days. Bold faith. It's the last part of that equation we wrote down. Bold faith. God is faithful. Remember, as we're reading, David was jeered. David was laughed at. David was looked down on. Yet his faith in the Almighty God, the living God, never faltered, never failed, never failed, never dwindled i got to ask you guys, what's holding you back from fully, with everything, trusting God? What's holding you back? As we see in this story in such a powerful way, we see that these people at this time, what has your focus? Are you ready? Are you ready to be bold? We're going to write this down. Here's the first one. Who is your Goliath? Who is your Goliath? Who is it? Second, what is your Goliath? So we see in this story, in 1 Samuel 17, we see these armies and they're focused on Goliath. What is your Goliath? What is stealing your focus away from the God who created you? The God who designed you? The God that we know now all along had it taken care of. He knew He knew David was going to take those stones and face the strongest, biggest enemy that the Israeli people had ever seen to this point. God knew. But what has your focus? Last one is this. When? When? Are you going to step out in Christ-centered boldness? When are you going to step out in Christ-centered boldness? Boldness. God controls your destiny. Not Goliath. God controls your destiny. Not that, that thing you, you feel like you can't pass through. God controls your destiny. <laughs> we just saw it in the story. There's an interesting thought, and this one's pretty important. What do you, what do you think of when you think of God? We saw what David was thinking about. We saw that David said, you are the mighty God. You are the living God. You're the God that's powerful. So today, 
right now, right now, what do you think of when you think of God? What you truly think of God will shape and define you. It may be the most important thought you ever think. It may be the most important thing that you ever think. What do you think of God? Preparation. Plus a teachable heart. Plus bold faith. Equals divine direction. I, I think this is true. I, I know it's true because the word, the word says it, but you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You are capable. You sitting here, man, we, we've got a lot of stuff, but you are capable. You're called. You were created on purpose. You were created for a purpose. We see in verse 39, as David's trying on Goliath's armor and saying, it doesn't fit. This armor that's 125 pounds is down to my ankles. I can't fight in this. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? God's created you for a reason, on purpose, for purpose. Nothing that God creates, nothing that God designs was an accident. Every fiber of everything that he has ever created is full of purpose. And the human race, us today, here in the first service, God has created us on purpose. He's created us for a purpose. We believe that today, right now, side by side with David's story, as we, as we learned, as we read 50 passages... We can say with full confidence that God is a living God, an almighty God, and a good Father. We can say it with full confidence that God is good. God loves us. He created us on purpose. Do this. Grab out your connect cards. What we do here is we take, we take some bold steps. This is your first service with us. This is just a way we say, hey... We don't want to be just hearers of the word. We don't want to just hear a good story. We don't want to just be motivated. We want to leave here with an action plan to draw closer to an almighty and living God. Bold step A is this. Maybe God's preparing you or you may be ready to, to be bold, to be real bold this morning. If you've never trusted God, if you've been continually putting on that armor and saying, God, it doesn't fit, it's not right, I want to trust you fully with everything, everything I have. God, I, I believe that you designed me on purpose, that in 2017, that all the things that are going on in my life, that God, that you are good, I want to give you everything, I trust you for the first time. Fill out next step A if that's you. We're praying for you. Next step B, if you want to make that decision, that, that choice public, there's nothing better than baptism. It's a biblical principle, and it's pretty cool how we do it around here. <laughs> they come out of the tank, we celebrate, the lights go crazy. As you say, God, I want... Not just you and I to be good, but I want my friends, the church body I do life with, to know that you are God. 
Next step C is this. I'm challenging you. Come on, this is the preparation part. I will read 1 Samuel 17 this week. Here's the deal. We already read it together. We already read it here as a church, but I'm challenging you. Go home, read this story. Go to 1 Samuel 1.16. Go to 1 Samuel 15. Get a little bit of the context of the story as God is preparing David for a public showing. Next step D, I will step out. I will step out in Christ-centered boldness and face my Goliath. My Goliath. I'll step out. I know there's going to be intense opposition. I know that I may not be able to do it by myself, but God, I trust you. Next step E is this. Send me information about Financial Peace University. It's something we offer that's, that's, that's incredible. It's a way that we can prepare our hearts and our minds for God to use us. God to control us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, this is awesome. One of the joys of my life. Bow your heads, let's pray. God, we thank you that you're good. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that loved us so much. That you gave your only son everything. God, we want this store to be to, to, to just inspire us, Lord, but not to inspire us alone. We want to take action. We want to be bold. There's people in this room. We pray a prayer, Lord, that they would be bold, that you'd use us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.